And I'm Ash. Welcome to Crime Potatoes Podcast. Grab your snacks, get comfy, and let's get to it. Another week. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving and ate lots of food. Cause I know I did. Yes, same for sure. <laughs> all right. So, what's your snack this week, Kins? Ah, uh, just got my diet Dr Pepper this week. So nice. I have nerd clusters. Shocker there. Yeah, that's not shocking. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And I want to apologize beforehand to everyone. I do have a little bit of the sniffles, so bear with me. I'm going to try not to sniffle right into the mic, but if it does happen, I am really sorry. It'll add to the emotion of the podcast, right? Yeah, that's what you can see. All right. You ready? I think so. All right. So today is the story of Beverly Ann Juros. And I, again, I hope I'm saying that name right, but have you heard this one before? I don't know that I have. I have never actually heard this case until I started researching it um, when I was going through, like, just looking up cases and stuff. Um, and so I'm excited to tell it because it's one that I don't think I've ever heard, like, any other podcast share or anything. So anyway. All right. Bring it on then. All right, my case sources are findagrave.com, ohioattorneygeneral.gov, cleveland.com, vocal.media, and thecriminaljournal.com. Okay, so I take it this is happening in Ohio. Yes. All right. The year is 1964 in Garfield Heights, Ohio. Christmas break for 16-year-old Beverly, who was a junior at Marymount High School which was an all-girls Catholic school, and her younger sister, 12-year-old Carol. With their parents, Thaddeus and Eleanor, and I hope I'm not butchering his name, um, but I did read in some sources that a lot of people just called him Ted, so I'm going to go ahead and call him Ted for the rest of the case because I feel like I'm totally going to butcher his name. So, anyways... So with their parents, Ted and Eleanor, off to work, and with no school in session, they decided to make the cold trek to their grandmother's house, which was about a mile away. After hanging around and eating lunch, Beverly told her grandmother that she had to return home because she was supposed to meet up with her friend, Barbara. So her and her friend, Barbara, had plans that afternoon to go to the mall or go wherever and go shopping. Okay. So around 1 p.m., an 18-year-old neighbor of Beverly's grandma gave her a ride back to her home. Shortly after arriving back to her house, Beverly called her mother to let her know that she had made it home safe. As soon as she hung up with her mother, another call came in. Beverly picked up the phone and answered. It was a man named Stephen Stankowitz, and he asked to speak with her father, and when he learned that he wasn't home, the man said he would call back later. Beverly took down a quick note for her father that he had called. 
One last call came in from Beverly's grandma to make sure she made it home. The two had a brief visit, then Beverly told her grandma she needed to go because her friend Barbara would be there soon and she needed to change her clothes. Barbara arrived to the Duros' home around 1.25 and knocked on the door. She heard a thump that sounded like it came from upstairs. Assuming her friend was coming to answer the door, she waited. A few minutes passed, but still no one came to greet her. She knocked again and rang the doorbell, but with still no answer, Barbara probably figured that Beverly had forgotten or was standing her up, so she decided to go back home. So this couldn't have been too long after Beverly got off the phone with her grandma. No. So, yeah, because she left her grandma's around 1 o'clock, and it's now one twenty-five when Barbara shows up to the house. So when she leaves around 1 p.m., and Barbara shows up at one twenty-five, So roughly 25 minutes, give or take a little bit. Jeez. Okay. So when Barbara arrived home, she got a call from Margie, who was another friend that the two were supposed to meet up with. Margie asked what was taking them so long, and Barbara explained that she had gone to Beverly's, but no one had answered the door. Margie was concerned. This wasn't like Beverly. She decided to call Beverly's grandmother, Marie. When Marie heard from the girls, she became instantly concerned and worried. As she had just talked to Beverly not too long ago, and she had seemed so excited about spending the day with her two friends. Marie got off the phone with Margie and called Ted, remember, who was Beverly's father. He immediately left his job and rushed home. He pulled into the driveway around 4 p.m., and before he even stepped out of his car, he could hear music blaring. He darted inside and up the stairs, straight to Beverly's bedroom. What happened next was something no parent should ever have to see. Ted opened his daughter's bedroom door. There on the floor, laying face down next to her bed, was Beverly's lifeless body. Beverly had been tied up with clothesline, which was found around her neck and her ankles. His sweet daughter Beverly had just been murdered. Um, okay, so what time did he find her? So he got home around 4 o'clock. Okay. Um, I know they did have like a little bit of a commute to work. Barbara, so, and you got to remember this. So Barbara arrived at the house at 125 at Beverly's house. And then she still had to make the way Claire back to her house. Then she waited until her friend called. And then once her friend called, she got off the phone. Yeah, because this is 1964? Yes. Okay. And so there was just like a long chain of like call after call after call before Ted finally got the call to go home and check on her. Okay. So an autopsy was performed by Dr. Samuel Gerber and Beverly's cause of death was quickly determined to be strangulation. However, she also had been stabbed 42 times in her neck and chest. Oh, wow. Which, I mean, you've probably heard it before and you're, you'll probably hear it again. But when when someone is stabbed, especially that many times, usually it is very, like, personal. Like, it's not random. It's usually, you know, somebody they know. Um, like I said, like, it's, personal. It, yeah, yeah. So, Dr. Gerber also mentioned that there was evidence she fought hard for her life. And although some of her clothing had been torn off, there was no sign of sexual assault. They actually believed that she was in the middle of changing when the intruder surprised her. I mean, that's a relief, but she's still dead and that's sad. Yeah. Police quickly began investigating and, bring people, and bringing people in for questioning. 
there was no sign of forced entry into the house, which leads police, which is another reason um, that police believe that Beverly knew her attacker. And when talking to Beverly's mother, Eleanor, they learned that Beverly had a stalker. Jeez, she's 16? Yes, she's 16. Huh. 16 year old. She has a stalker at 16. Scary. That's creepy. Yeah. So this stalker would call the family's home 10 to 12 times a day. When they would pick up the phone, the person on the other line would hang up. And then not only was she getting these hang up calls, but she had received gifts. There had been a small gift box left on their back porch that had a note to Bev. The small gift box contained a bracelet and a ring. Okay. There was even a point where her father had come home one night from work to see a mysterious person staring up at his daughter's bedroom window. He chased them down the block, but was unfortunately unable to catch or identify them. That's so scary. I know, like terrifying, right? I can only imagine what her father was feeling when she when he saw that. Oh yeah. Ugh. I would be like on edge for sure. And of course, like they don't even know if like they're probably assuming, I mean, I am assuming like this person and her stalker are the same people, same person, but I guess you never know. Well, I'm trying not to jump the gun, but now I'm worried that that phone call of the guy that called for her dad was the stalker. So they actually do believe that that was a fake name that was given to Bev to leave for her father. Um, Her father knew no one by that name. They never called back. Yeah. So that's kind of what they're thinking. Like maybe he called making sure she was home by herself or making sure her parents weren't home. (sighs) Yeah. Ah, I don't like this. Okay. Beverly became nervous after receiving the gifts and always made sure doors and windows were locked behind her. She even decided to start carrying a sharp letter opener with her. And actually at the time of her death, she had that sharp, that letter opener under her mattress, but was unable to get to it in time. She probably felt safe and Going back to, like, it was probably somebody she knew, so even if she, like, let them in or whatever, she probably felt at ease or comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Man. Ugh. At the time of her death, Beverly had a boyfriend named Roger. Police questioned him as well as her ex-boyfriend, Dan. However, both had alibis and passed the lie detector test. With no murder weapon and no incriminating evidence, the case quickly went cold. And while it's reported that there are suspects in the case, no one has been charged. Nearly 59 years later, and the murder of Beverly Jaros is still unsolved. Wait, you're leaving me here? Unfortunately, yes, that is where it ends. I was reading up on it, though, when I was doing my research, and there are detectives that are looking into her cold case, and they do believe that it can be solved, but... They didn't really say anything other than that, Um, but we just got to think about, like, the time. It was 1964. There wasn't any DNA testing. There was no murder weapon, like, nothing, and so they didn't have, like, a lot of evidence or literally anything to go off of. I am a little speechless. Wait, that like, that's it? Yeah. (laughs) Why would you do this? I know, and I was, like, so excited because um, I had seen, like when I was doing like my research, I saw a page that was like 
Beverly's murder has been solved 58 years later. And I was like, what? No way. So I like went like deep dive into it. And it was like totally a false thing. It was was, like devastated. Ah, yes. I was devastated. So like, do they have like any inkling or any? Um, so they do. It is reported that they do have some suspects, but just no one has been charged. So whether they have suspects and they just don't have enough evidence to criminate them or not really sure because they don't release a lot of information on that. So I, I know DNA wasn't really like a thing and they didn't know, but did they take any lobs or? I actually cannot find anything on that either. So I I can't be a hundred percent sure. I know, like in all my research, I could not you find know, if they took DNA. Killing me with either. these cases um, that you do, you do missing persons, and now you do I know, one I'm that sorry. is unsolved. Okay, next week, next week we'll do or two weeks we'll do a solved <laughs> yeah, one. Okay, <laughs> right. Uh these are just the ones that like intrigue me so much, and like I don't know. I just well, it's so frustrating. I'm like with I do, you. Like, they're so intriguing. It, like you want to know what happened, but that's the problem. And they get, I get so frustrated because I'm like, I want answers, and I want them now. I know, I know. And so, her father actually just died in 2012, and then her mother died in 2018, and so they were never able to learn what happened to her. Um, before they passed. Was she an only child? No. Remember, um, she had a little sister named Carol. Oh, um, that's right. That's, that's right. who she went to the grandmother's house with. But Carol just that morning decided to stay back at her grandmother's house while Beverly went home because Beverly was planning on going right back out anyways. And it makes you wonder, like, maybe uh, if Carol had been with her, if Carol wouldn't be alive either. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. If it could, like, either way, if Carol had been with her, if the murder killer would have not taken the opportunity, or if it could have taken both of That's them. That's true. Oh, so many questions now. Like, I know, I'm sorry. So, I wanted to just, like, do a little highlight on Beverly just to kind of give you, like, a little quote on, like, who she was. Um, So, I'm just going to read you this quote that was in her memorial piece on Find a Grave. Um, And I actually found, like, what is in this little quote was on a lot of other sites just kind of, like, explaining her. But I just like how they put in this quote, like, all in one little piece about her. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. All right. So it says, Beverly was a pretty girl with with light brown hair and blue eyes. Quiet, studious, loved literature and music, wrote poetry and volunteered her time at at the nearby Marymount Hospital. So in my sources, when I was looking, like she loved literature and poetry so much that she would actually quote Shakespeare. Like, it was, like, normal, just a normal thing for her to do that. (gasps) I love that so much. Yes. And that just breaks my heart more. I love Shakespeare a lot. Yeah, I can agree, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's because you're 
uneducated. No, I'm just kidding. You're more educated than I am. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So her sister Carol actually published a book um, that was titled Unfulfilled. And it was just compiled of 20 of Beverly's poems that she had written. So that's another cool thing, too. You can get that on, like, Amazon and stuff. Um, I haven't looked into it a whole lot. And guess what? I'm totally going to go do Now that I know, I I think I'm going to probably, yep. I'll take a picture when I order that. Man, I mean, that's so cool that she did that and that she can kind of keep her sister alive in that way. Oh, yeah. I think that's like a really cool, um, what do you want to call it? Uh, Memorabilia. Yeah. I had another word for it, but man, my mind is not working tonight. So, yeah, that is it. I'm like speechless. I just like the time of year, it like breaks my heart too because this happened three days after Christmas. So, I don't know. It's just, I feel like that's such like a family time where you're just close to your family and friends and that, I don't know. Well, yeah, because that's, yeah. I'm speechless. I, I know. am literally at a loss for words, Ash. Yeah. So I will just leave it with, um, if you have any information on the murder of Beverly Jarose, you can call the Garfield Heights Police Department at 216-475-5686. And that is the murder, unsolved murder of Beverly Ann Jarose. Thanks a lot, Ash. I'm sorry. But I mean, seriously, thanks, because I think it's so important to get these cases that are unsolved out there, because maybe, just maybe, there is someone that knows something. I agree 100%, especially since, like, detectives are even saying, like, this case can be solved. Like, it makes me feel like that it's so close, you know, you just need, they just need one more little push or one more just that one missing yeah one missing link so man well thanks thanks for sharing that all right well thank you potatoes for listening and we will see you next week for a brand new episode yes stay safe potatoes